We're going to talk about something this morning uh, that we all do, or if we don't do, we should do, and we're going to talk about dreaming again. How many know the difference between a dream and a nightmare? <laughs> I'm the nightmare, you're the dream. <laughs> That's not so. We've all had nightmares, have we not? We woke up the next morning and said, wow, I'm glad that wasn't, wasn't real. And then there's been times we have, we have uh, we've had uh, dreams, and, uh, and the Bible believes uh, in dreams. In fact, I'm going to share with you some scriptures in a few moments about what the Bible says about dreaming. I listen once in a while, if I have a few minutes, to uh, the leader of the First Southern Baptist Convention, Charles Stanley. He's a great preacher. And he said this statement a few weeks ago as I had began to prepare for this series of messages about dreaming again. He said this, you will begin to die when you stop dreaming. You will begin to die when you start dreaming. And all of us have dreams. We all have dreams. We dream of, of things happening in our life. We, we dream that uh, things uh, that uh, we want to see happen and, uh, will happen eventually. And we're going to talk to you. We're going to give you some information on what a dream really is by way of Scripture today. And let me just, just, just share with you. There's a lot of times that we feel like our age limits us in our response to God's provision. God includes all of us. Age is no barrier with the presence of God. Neither is our intelligence. It's not based on our performance. It's based on our obedience to do what his word has to say. And here's what he says. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And I was just thinking uh, about some things that happened in the natural before we look to the scripture this morning. And I was thinking about the Wright brothers. If my name, last name hadn't been White, I would have wanted it to be right because I would have been Orville Wright and I could have uh, re, uh, told my wife every day I'm, I'm right. However, <laughs> however, that didn't happen. But the Wright brothers' first flight was in 1903. Orville's brother Wilbur piloted that first flight that la lasted 59 seconds and uh, they, they flew uh, a footage of 852 feet. And it began with a dream. It began with a dream. The next time you set your foot on an airliner or get in an air, airplane, remember, that began with a dream. And Orville and Wilbur weren't, weren't discouraged. They continued on, and they continued on. And because of their dream, it, my dream became a reality. And I, I longed when I was a child that one day I'd love to just sit in the pilot seat and, and lift off and fly a plane and be in control. I'll never forget the day that the instructor bailed out, and, and it was just me, myself, and I, and my heart almost quit beating. I was petrified. I, I took off uh, from Woodring, where I was taking my schooling. I made the circle that my instructor had told me to do, and I came in uh, for my landing, and I got so close to the ground, and the panic button went off, and I pulled the, the control back, and I gave the throttle to the plane, and I went around again. You can't believe how, how this man of faith gave, gave in to fear. It was the fourth attempt when I finally came in for final, and I said, Lord Jesus, live, die, sink, or swim. I'm going to put this on the ground. I turned every light on that plane there was. My instructor says, I knew you were going to make it. You had every button on in that plane. He said, you were warning us, get out of the way. You're going to bring it to the ground. 
It was such an awesome feeling when I felt those three landing gears, those wheels, touch the ground. And finally I could touch something that was solid. Have you ever been in a small plane and there was nothing solid and it just gave it this and this? And you just and then if you ever got into the clouds or into stormy weather and you couldn't tell up from down and your feet were giving it this and you thought, boy, if I ever get my feet on solid ground again, I'll never get in this place again. Until next time. Life is the same way. We go through storms. We go through times when we, we can't see the future. There's times when we uh, dream about the reality of things. And sometimes we, we consider uh, our dreams, and as time progresses, sometimes we, we release our dreams. Sometimes we let circumstances steal our dreams. Sometimes we get distracted, and we just completely lay them aside. But, but I'm going to talk to you this morning about the word dream. It's used quite often, and it means has a, a product of different uh, uh, meanings. But uh, have you ever thought about what a dream really is? We have the ability to activate this mind when we're awake, do we not? But how about this? When we go to sleep in our subconscious position in life, and we start dreaming. I wonder if, the, if that might be the way that God reveals himself to us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he deals with that subconscious mind by way of dreams. Now, I've already told you there's a difference between a nightmare and, and a dream. But you can check out a real dream if you wake up in the morning and, and that dream is still there. And, you, and even though it's, it's, it's picturing the invisible, it's something that you've never been able to lay your eyes on. It's been something you've never been able to touch. It's, been, it's something that's never been a part of your life. But all at once, you had a vision in the night. You had a dream in the night. And it ignited something in your spirit. And you've entertained this question. I wonder if I will ever see that become reality. I'm going to tell you this morning, I really believe in dreams. The building you're seated in this morning was a dream. And I want you to know this morning that God wants all of us to dream. It doesn't matter whether you're a, there, there are no male and female in the eyes of God. We're just all his kids. But I want you to know that nobody is left out of God's plan. And he wants you to know, and I'm going to give, be giving you some scriptures about what God has to say about, about dreaming. But I'd like to go to a portion of scripture this morning found in Genesis chapter 37. And I want to talk to you about a 17-year-old who had a dream that got him in trouble. It wasn't a dream that got him in trouble. Really, the dream led him to the, from, the, from, the, uh, from the prison to the palace in a matter of one day. But it's not, it was who he told the dream to that got him into a lot of trouble. Joseph comes from a very dysfunctional family. His, da why, his dad has three women in his life. And can you, ever, can you imagine men having three wives in your life? Ooh. Can, I mean, just think about it for a moment. And Joseph is being raised with stepbrothers. And uh, these stepbrothers aren't in line with some of his ways. And, uh, and then the other thing is, 
Joseph was living the reality of being the baby. There were four of us white boys. If I had my pick, instead of being the oldest boy, I'd love to have been the baby. He just seemed to get by with everything. He's not here to defend himself. He's gone on to be with Jesus. But I'm telling you, my, David can verify. He got by with things that he, David and I would not even attempt. Joseph, being a 17-year-old, and be, also the Bible reflects that he was his daddy's favorite. How would that go over? Well, let's look at the Scripture and let us just draw from what the Scripture has to say about, about Joseph's life. I don't, Jacob was his dad. I want to make sure that I'm talking about Joseph. And he uh, said, so Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger. And, and, and this, is, this is the history of Jacob, Joseph, being 17 years old. And he was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with his son, the sons of Bilhah, and the sons of Zilphah. How's that for names? He was out in the pasture with these boys from, who had other mothers than what he had. And Joseph brought a bad report from them to his father. Joseph was a tattletale, wasn't he? Have you ever noticed how many babies, of all your siblings, who's, who are the babies this morning? Raise them real high, I want to see. Okay, I'm real glad, Holy Spirit, you quickened me to do that. I don't want any of these people to be angry at me. So I'm going to skip a comment I might have made. Wow, you're my best friends, even though you are the baby of the family. And I envy you. Notice what he says. He, he brought an evil report to his dad about his stepbrothers. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. How many know there's trouble in the, in the camp already? Now, verse 5, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Are you getting the picture? Not a good day for Joseph, is it? So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have had. Verse 7, There were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheep arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheep stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. Not a good picture. And all his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Have you ever heard this? Or have you ever said it? You're just digging yourself a deeper hole. <laughs> Verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream. One's not good. <laughs> He's going back for seconds. He dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. And said, look. I've dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father, to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to, to the earth before you? In verse 11, And his brothers envied him, but the father kept the matter in mind. Joseph eventually saw all of his dreams come true. 
But he went through terrible times before the great event took place. Between the days of his father's house and the days in Pharaoh's house, Joseph spent years in turmoil and pain. He was beaten, he was enslaved, he was imprisoned, he was maligned, he was forgotten in the way that people had known him, and, uh, and yet he was marching down the pathway of seeing his dreams fulfilled. Question, how did Joseph survive to achieve his God-given dreams? I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, if I had been in Joseph's place, I think, now I'm just thinking out loud with you, I don't think I'd have told that second dream. I might have, but I don't think I would have. You know, just one around with my older brothers and me being the baby, you know, it might have been a long ways from where I was herding sheep to the dad's house. And, and dad was his shelter. He was the shelter in a time of storm. I mean, I mean, he was taking care of Sonny James Joseph because Joseph was the lad of his old age. I mean, he had came along at the right time so he could be spoiled. He could have all the attention of the father. And, and he was so spoiled, he became a tattletale. And then turmoil began. I want you to look at this this morning uh, from the eyes uh, of, of a dysfunctional family and what happens. So many times we meet people, we put on nice clothes, we, we make sure our hair, if we have any, is still in place. <laughs> he didn't say amen, he just did this. <laughs> and you know, we, uh, we, we go through life like everything is okay. You know, we, we, we're all pretty good at putting on a good front. But you know, there's, there's many of us today that have bought a dysfunctional home for many years. And some of it, you know, sometimes it's just pretty hard to digest. Sometimes we spend time in prayer. Sometimes we spend time just, just thinking, Lord, what have I done to bring this my way? Lord, what could I have done different as a dad? What could I have done different as a pastor? What could I have done any differently as a husband? What different example could I have done so that my home is not dysfunctional and yet in spite of the prayers in spite of the times when we fast and seek the Lord in the time when we when we're spending time helping others in the journey of life in the back of our process of of, of thoughts we're processing the fact that that home is dysfunctional and the place of blame is not our place or our chair to sit in but I draw from the provision of a dysfunctional home that Joseph was raised in, and I draw strength from it today. And if your home is dysfunctional, I want you to listen to what I have to say, because there's help in the camp. You're not here by accident this morning. You're here because the Lord wants me to lend a helping hand, and I want to help you. And I've learned this. In everything that I have gone through, I have learned that God is preparing me to help people that will be facing the same situation. And I... Stood at, I've stood at the door of the, at the entrance and the exit doors of this facility are of the Elm Grove Church where we, area where we met before this facility was built. And I used to tell people, I know how you feel, when they would share their heartache as they were leaving the facility. And one morning the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, I want you to quit lying. And I thought, you know, Lord, you know me better than that. He said, I know you well. You cannot say, I know how you feel unless you've wore their shoes. Unless you've been where they've been, unless you've sat in their seat, 
unless you have, have dealt with the issues they're dealing with, you cannot tell them, honestly, I know how you feel. So in the process of life, I've learned in the digesting of things that come our way, God is preparing us so that we can have the ability to reach out and help hurting people. And I want you to think about the people that you know today that are hurting people. It's either a dysfunctional situation in their marriage. It's either a dysfunctional situation with their children. Or it can be a dysfunctional thing financially. Or it can be a health issue. And sometimes it, it just continues to evolve. And sometimes many families are dealing with all of those issues. But I can tell you, there, God is a present help in time of need. He's my best friend. And the gospel is the greatest medicine that you and I will ever be able to lay our hands on. So please don't leave it in the medicine cabinet but allow God's word to be the pill that you need to bring you through your situation and calm the storms and bring peace when it seems like destruction is knocking at your door give the Lord praise this morning he's worthy of our praise Joseph eventually saw God given dreams come true but he went through terrible things what do you do when you're going through terrible things knowing that things can change it can change in a moment in fact I just like to say this you may be one person from being able to leave your prison where you seem to be locked today if you're living in a dysfunctional situation you could be one person from from leaving the dungeon or the prison and going to the palace and living in the peace and the joy that God wants us to live in day by day. Joseph made that transition because he had learned to, to interpret dreams. Next Sunday we're going to be dealing with those interpretation of the dreams. But he had been able to interpret dreams. He had, he had interpreted dreams for the baker and the butler while they were in prison. And one day they, they went back to the palace for two years and Joseph said, when you get to the palace, when you get to the king's presence, don't forget me. And for two years, he heard nothing about the baker and the, and the butler. But then one day, the king had a problem. There was a dream that he couldn't interpret. Uh-oh. Is there anybody in, on our team that would know how to do this? An awakening sound and the remembrance of the one that had been left in the prison for two years. By himself. Can you imagine helping two people when you needed help yourself? And for them to walk out free and for you to still be chained in prison? And for two long years, you're a forgotten individual? What goes through our mind when we feel like we've been forsaken? How, what goes through our mind when we feel like we've been rejected? What goes through our mind today when we feel like nobody cares? We begin to dream and we begin to have problems with our thinking and we begin to deal with fear and doubt and unbelief and sometimes we want to kick the rocks and we want to go down the road saying things that aren't pleasing to God and many times we want to point our fingers and if I ever get the opportunity I'll get even let me ask you have you ever thought what that really means to get even when you still wind up behind Have you ever thought what, what all it does is bring a, sat, a temporary satisfaction. If I, there's one thing I'm going to do. If I live long enough, I'm going to get even with that person. You are? Maybe you're already ahead of them and don't realize it. 
Maybe they see something in your life they want, and they don't know how to accept it, so they just kind of highlight some things about you in order to get some attention, and God wants to use that. Joseph was beaten. He was enslaved. He was in prison. He was, he was forgotten, and yet he still had his talents. In the moments when we feel like nobody cares, there's nothing like having a relationship with one who does care. And that while I was yet unlovable, uh, and, and, and while I was yet a, a nobody, Jesus loved me enough he died on the cross for my sins. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. A chastisement of my peace was upon his shoulders. And with his stripes, healing was paid for. My emotional healing can be healed. My anger can be dealt with. And the joy of the Lord can be my strength. And he loved me because he wanted to see me be a follower and an Im imitator of him. Joseph established a close relationship with God. And nothing can live today without a strong foundation. Do you see what's happening to America today? Do you see all of the things that's going on in the streets of America that used to only happen in a third world country? What is the reason? Let me back up the pages for a few days. Do you remember the day when we could no longer have prayer and Bible reading in school? What that was actually doing was chipping away at the foundation of America. We live in, a, we live in such an awesome place. We can still have prayer over the, over the public address system before ball games. We can still go out on the, on the field and we can have prayer. We are so blessed to live in where we live today. And I can never say thank you enough for the goodness of God and living where we live. Amen. And while I'm talking about being thankful, I'm one of the most thankful persons that, uh, that you'll ever see because I live where I live today. I may be just a country boy, but I'm telling you, I love the country today and I love what I see as I drive down the highway even though I live in the country. We left this facility last Friday to take Linda Hunt's body to its resting place. And when I turned the corner three miles east of here and headed toward Chester, there was not one vehicle that we met that was moving. Every vehicle had pulled off and was stopped. I watched as we left Chester on, on to, toward ceiling. Every vehicle was stopped. I was next to the last vehicle in line i had my flashers on the pickup behind me had his flashers on not one vehicle moved and they all sat still until the funeral position passed we drove through ceiling and on out toward uh, a munis uh cemetery i call it huck mac it'll always be huck mac to me even though people don't like to hear the word huck mac i know where huck mac is and i know where munis is it's the same place all the way even to the road construction trucks and, and the highways become very busy. Not one vehicle moved. They all stopped until we passed. Before we got to the intersection to turn east to Canton, I thought, Lord, if there's nobody here to direct traffic, this is a dangerous intersection. Would you just let your, let your mercies and angels of protection be upon this funeral procession as they cross the traffic to go east at this intersection? And I watched every vehicle pass I was next to the last, and I stopped and let one 18-wheeler go, and the whole procession passed without any traffic. What do you think that I said when I cleared that intersection? 
Thank you, Jesus. Your mercy endures forever. Oh, one thing. There's, there's construction people on the highway and DOT pickups. And I saw three men in their vest with their cap over their heart standing by the side of their pickup as the funeral procession passed. You know what? I, I know I shouldn't be thinking this way. You know what I thought? Maybe part of the world's going to hell in a hat basket. Oklahoma's not. You know, I don't tell everybody what I think, but I'm going to tell you because you're my family and I like you. And, you know, I know you pray for me when I say things you don't like. And, you know, I mean, you're just awesome. Oh, we have a few people that don't think that, but uh, I'm going to get even one day. When we get to heaven, I'm going to live next door to them. Boy, they haven't seen anything mischievous out of me yet. No, I want to talk to you a few more moments this morning before we bring the message to a close. Joseph, what did, what did he do when he had been, been forgotten? He continued to seek God's heart about the issue. Have you ever said, I don't understand? How could this be? Listen, God's ways are always higher than my ways. And what I don't understand, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon me because I care for you. And not only does he care for you, he'll put these big old arms around you and he'll hold you tight until you sense his presence. And healing will flow through your spirit when you don't understand why the storm is raging in your life. How about this? Joseph refused to compromise. When he got to Potiphar's house, I want to paint you a picture about Potiphar's house. When Potiphar bought him from the slave block, he realized that, that uh, he had a great quality about him. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord was with him. How many know the world can tell when the Spirit of the Lord's upon you? How many, time, how many knows that they can tell when the Spirit of the Lord isn't upon us? Especially at basketball games. <laughs> I only did it one time last night, Lord, forgive me. Listen, Potiphar knew the Spirit of the Lord was upon Joseph. And so he turned everything over to him except his wife. And he said, I'm a, you've got the key to everything in this house. You take care of it. You keep the books. You pay the bills. Every, there's money in the bank. You just take care of everything. I trust you with everything. How many know when you get to that point, there's still problems in the amen corner? And it wasn't with Joseph. It was with Potiphar's wife. And she laid eyes on a handsome guy. Her husband was out working. She began to meditate. She began to have dreams, and they, weren't, they should have been nightmares, but she began about dreaming about having a relationship with Joseph. And Joseph says, how could I do my master this way? How could I do such an evil to a man that's trusted me with everything? And one morning she made the advance, not him. As he ran for his life, she pulled his coat and held it in her hands, and she took it to the hired servants and says, go get Potiphar. This slave that he's bought has tried to rape me. And Joseph goes to prison over it. The Bible says we may be cast down, but we're not forsaken. Joseph never surrendered to hopelessness. You see, he knew the truth. And he knew no matter what was being said, he knew the truth. And he rested and he surrendered his life on the truth. I'm not guilty. I don't care what Potiphar's wife says. I'm not guilty. My hands are clean and my heart is pure. And Joseph never took his eyes 
off of the dream. Listen to me today. I don't know what God is allowing you to dream, but let me share you, with you some of my dreams. I dreamed one day, and this facility became a reality. And then maybe next, maybe two Sundays from now, we're going to have we're going to have a picture of the day that this ceiling and the and the picture that was caught as the uh, steeple on this facility came down in a raging fire. And we watched this facility melt to 11 inches of ashes. As I stood across the road that day and leaned up again my gold wing motorcycle that I'd rode to work, I said the same thing you, you say. How can this thing be? Lord, we worked hard. We only had $67,000, but you multiplied that, and, and you let us move in debt-free. We never had to borrow any money. Everybody just gave what they could. And Lord, these are awesome people. How could this ever happen? Oh, there's more to the story than that. Word began to get out. Missionaries that had we had supported around the world began to send offerings. They weren't large offerings, but how many knows $100 at a time eventually adds up? Right. 20 months later, we moved into this facility debt-free. Three months before it melted to the ground, the board, in great wisdom, had increased the insurance so that we had uh, uh, $877,000 coming out of the insurance. And, and with the in people that helped us and gave to us, the facility was not only rebuilt, but the engineer who was in charge of, of rebuilding stopped me one morning and he said, have you ever thought about enlarging the facility? He said, it's a true octagon now. But he said, we could, we could, we could raise a seating arrangement from 300 to 500 for $100,000. After a short meeting, it was decided to do that. And because of the fire, we took that opportunity to expand the hallways. Amen. We took that opportunity to make the restrooms larger. Yes. We took the opportunity to stretch this auditorium so that we can get 200 more people in. And I heard just many times, why would you do such a stupid, foolish thing when you're out in the country and you know that church is not going to grow? Didn't move me. I got a dream. Yes. And my dream is fed Lord, except the Lord build the church, our labors in vain. And if there's ever a church built, it'll be because of you, not because of me. But I have a dream that that place will be a, a hospital for the sick and afflicted. It'll be a place where people can be restored that feels like they're a castaway. Where they, it'll be a place where the misfits can come and feel like they're a part of the family of God. It'll be a part where relationships can be restored and relationship with Jesus Christ can come into existence for the first time. And we can see the powerful, awesome presence of God as he releases it on people like you to leave his place and say, God is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble and he never gives up on me. Put your hands together. He's worthy of our praise today. I close this morning. I close better than I preach. There's people here this morning that will tell me, I know how many times you closed. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I want to do something good in my ministry, and if it's closing, then I want to be the best closer there is. But I have some scriptures that I want to just run by you uh, in our closing moments this morning. 
when we don't understand why our home is on the rocks or our marriage or our finances or, or when our health is failing us, when we don't understand, we can turn to the pages of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, the Apostle Paul used these scriptures when he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, which says I don't understand everything that's going on in my life. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Listen to me. Many dreams are never fulfilled because people spend too much time looking through the rearview mirror. If you've been hurt, if you've been wounded, if you've been beaten up and left for dead, forget it! It will become an invisible barrier that will keep you from dreaming big dreams. Isaiah 43, verse 18, chapter 43, verse 18 says, Do not remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. And verse 19, listen to this. This is his promise. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall it spring forth? And you'll know it. I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Verse 20, the beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people because they're my chosen. And here's what he says about you and me. These people, they're mine. I formed them for me. That's God saying that. And he said, here's what he says. He's got great confidence in you. He said, they'll never forget to praise me. They'll never forget to show forth praise. I, I think about another scripture. As we think about what God is doing. In Joel chapter 2, 28. It deals with people that have mileage on them like me. I don't, I don't consider birthdays of any real significant. In fact, I try to forget September the 3rd, even though it shows up every year on the calendar. But, but God doesn't look at our age. He's looking on the inside. Man looks on the outward appearance, he says, but I'm looking at your heart. True story, and I'm going to close with my last... I am closing with my last... Verse, a gentleman in the oil field one day was pikering me. He, he, he wasn't pikering me. We'd went out to a location before sunrise because a, a, a mechanic had told us he would meet us there. I was having trouble with a pumping unit engine, and he was going to meet us there before I went to work at Clayton's filling station. And we got there early. We always carried a thermos of coffee with us, and uh, we drank coffee until 15 till 7. I had to open up at 7, so we had to leave the, the uh, location uh, without ever meeting the mechanic. And all the way to, back to work, uh, he said, I want to tell you something, Orville. He said, when you get to that station, he said, I want you to call that mechanic. He said, and I want you to read him the right act, and this is what I want you to tell, tell him. And he said, you know, uh, tell him we got out there at 6 o'clock, and don't, just tell him that he let it you down, and you'll never call him again. He said, I just want you to really put him on a guilt trip. And uh, I don't know why I said this, Yes, I do. The Lord helps me when I'm in trouble. And I said, well, uh, Cecil, I just can't talk to people that way. And he said, uh, I'll tell you one thing. You don't have a heart. You've got a gizzard. <laughs> I said, I'm so relieved to know that I'll never have heart problems. I'll never worry about ever having a heart condition. And with that, I got out of his truck, and he took off.
You know, there's a good side to everything that happens. Sometimes we just have to look hard for it. My closing chapter verse is found in Joel 2.28. I want you to know there's nobody that's left out of God's plan this morning. I don't care. If you're here hurting this morning, God knows it. If you're here this morning and you're living on the mountaintop like you've never lived before, God knows it. If you're here and you're really struggling this morning, God knows it because he's looking on your heart and my gizzard. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, and also on my men servants and upon my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I would read 29, 30, 31, and 32 of Joel chapter 2, but when you get home, I want you to read that. That's a good conclusion. Here's what I want to tell you. God wants to pour in his spirit inside of all of us this morning. Inside of his spirit is a healing oil that will lubricate us to the point. If we need to say, I'm sorry, it gives us the strength to do it. If it's, if it's because of a wound that's been infected and we're angry and we just can't find it in our heart to forgive, he pours his spirit in to us. And he says, my grace is sufficient. It's made perfect in your weakest hour. And he said, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich because of what I've done, not because of what you've done. He is so awesome. He is so good. And if, that, if he's speaking to you this morning, it's because of the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. And here's what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. What he wants to, what's he really saying is, I want you to get a hold of the door handle this morning, the doorknob of your heart. I want to bring the good news to you. I love you unconditionally. And here's what he's saying to all the family of God this morning. And here's the great part of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about a, a bunch of rules, a bunch of cans and cannots. I believe God has the Ten Commandments in the Bible for a reason and a purpose. It's so that we can know right from wrong. But, and when we, wrap, when we totally wrap up the plan that God has for the church today, here it is in two statements. Love God and love people. Amen. Yes. Everybody raise your hands like this. Not because you feel so spiritual. Everybody raise your hand. I raise my hands. Come on, you can say it. I raise my hands because I love God. Now I want you to lower them half mast. And I want you to say this because I love God. He's given me the power to love people. Would you bow for prayer? Lord, you're such an awesome God today. I could never say thank you, Father, for the awesome presence that you rain down on us every day. Lord, today, I just am so grateful. I can't tell you how grateful I am to be gathered with such an awesome congregation this morning. And we're all, we all have areas in our life, Lord, if, if we had the ability to change, we would change. But we know that you're the only one that can change some things. And for those who's dreams have been destroyed and for those today who seems like their dreams have been stolen or shattered today joseph was able to dream again 
even though he was disliked by his brothers, even though he was mistreated, he continued to dream. And I release a spirit of bone this congregation this morning. Allow us this morning to open our spirit to dream again. Allow us to see the things that you can do that we're unable to do. Allow us to realize that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge me, and I'll direct your path. We need your direction this morning. And we want to thank you for your direction. And we want to thank you for the peace of God that transcends all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you stand? There's still a few moments till 12. I want to have a prayer with you this morning. And then we're going to come forward. We're, we have open communion today. You don't have to be a member of this church today to be a part of communion. We'd love for you to stay and be a part. If you can't stay as we conclude in prayer this morning, we release you to step out. And God bless you. Thank you for being here today. But here's before I, we have the closing prayer, heads are bowed and nobody looking around but myself. Let me ask this question. How many are here this morning and you would say by an uplifted hand, Pastor? I just want to say by an uplifted hand today, thank you for walking into my life. I needed to hear what you told me this morning. Let me see your hands. Would you raise them up high so I can see them all over this building today? Every time I see a response like this, I say, thank you, Jesus. If it wasn't for you, Lord, I'd have to run for my life. But I'm here because I'm a follower of you. It's not because I'm special. It's not because I'm outstanding. I have no ability to speak with influential words or the enticing words of men's wisdom. But I draw from the provision that you made at the well. Father, I speak blessings upon every home upon the financial situation of many in this congregation this morning. Lord, I release the power of the Holy Spirit upon those whose dreams have been shattered and hope has been lost. I speak the word restoration over this entire congregation this morning and members of the family who cannot be here today. May the power of the resurrection spirit ever rise within every believer this morning as we draw from your provision. All the praise goes to you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's family said, Amen.